what does it take to lead sustainability initiatives for a Fortune 500 company like Microsoft? In this Greenlight episode, I will speak with Dawn James about this, as well as her career journey from creating predictive models for water management to energy and sustainability strategy at Microsoft. We will also speak about Microsoft's latest sustainability initiatives, Dawn's work with Greentown Labs and Diversity in Clean Energy, DICE, an action-based coalition involving Duke, Microsoft, T-Mobile, and Kroger. Dawn will also share her insights on how to progress in your sustainability career. Thanks for tuning into the green light. Now let's dive in. I'm Catherine McLean, founder and CEO of Dylan Green, and today I have with me Dawn James. Dawn is based out of Houston, Texas, and she's the director of global industry strategy at Microsoft. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm really excited to have you join us today. We met in New York at a SIA event a few months ago, and you said that you'd be open to doing this as your schedule got a little clearer, and so I've stayed on you, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> so thank you. Again, congrats as well on recently being recognized by Duke Energy for your outstanding contributions in sustainability, innovation, and solutions, as well as being named a 2022 Women in Smart Energy Award winner. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm director for industry strategy. I focus on energy and sustainability, which is in line with my background. In the role, I focus on aligning business and industry challenges to solutions. And these solutions span the entire Microsoft portfolio. I focus on customer innovation in the energy space. So I do a lot of work in energy transition. And then I also focus on sustainability. And, and as you know, mm-hmm. sustainability is just, just a really broad topic. You know, I look at challenges around ESG, sustainability, and then different caveats from there. You know, like I mentioned, I focus on energy, but I also, in some of my previous roles, looked across all of our prioritized sectors and was doing a lot of customer work with sustainability within manufacturing, healthcare. So I've been able to kind of expand myself since I've been here at Microsoft and learn a lot and then also really see how sustainability is applied across the board, across different sectors, across a lot of different business challenges. I work across Microsoft. We have kind of a a one Microsoft mission. So I work with our enterprise commercial industry team for energy. I partner with a lot of our key stakeholders. I work with our engineering and our business groups there, as well as our global partner solution group. And I help to scale motions and plays across our portfolio, like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. and be able to serve our customers around digital maturity, looking at their sustainability roadmap, and how do we digitally enable that. And also, one of the things I really love doing is the work around innovation in this space. You know, so we know, you know, we've been in this space for a long time. Sustainability Mm -hmm. isn't new to the, the business sector, to the commercial side. However, What we're doing now in 2022, it feels new. It is new. So there's so much going on, so much energy in the innovation and the startup side of things. And then also the reinvigoration around some of the renewables, which is why we met at SIA. And so I love really looking at this new space that's kind of emerging around the business of sustainability. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like there's a nice, like fresh air. (laughs) That's super (laughs) exciting. It is. 
So we're going to try and make the air fresher, hopefully. Yeah, that's, the, that's the idea. Sure. That's the idea. So I know you studied geology in college and previously worked in water resource management. Did you always plan to work in tech and sustainability? Like, how did you make your way into your current role? No, it definitely wasn't the plan when I went to college or, you know, there, you know, you know, right after I left, I wasn't really thinking about it in those terms. I've always had a relationship with tech for sure. I've always been good at picking up applications and I did numerical modeling. I was always very strong in the sciences and in math. And so when I worked, you mentioned water resources, when I worked for the USGS, in water resources management, I did a lot of subsurface water modeling, numerical modeling, and how it tied to different environmental challenges. Now, on that side of things, it was more from a knowledge base and more of like a, a scientific type of study that we mm-hmm. did, a number of studies that published works that I've done with the USGS. However, when I moved into the energy sector, one of the things that I was really looking at was how to transfer some of those skill sets from the numerical modeling time to how do we model reservoir systems. And it was interesting, you know, when I first started working in energy, that was the thing that one VP at an EMP company, he, he pulled that out of my resume. I didn't have energy experience, but he said, oh, you've been doing all this subsurface modeling for water this is just a different type of fluid. It's the same, you know, similar physics. Right. And it turned out that the work that I've been doing in numerical modeling was really the back end, just with, you know, running algorithms through a compiler, doing the pre and post processing by hand using Excel and Surfer 8, for those of you guys remember. Yeah. <laughs> <Surfer>. <laughs> um, but, you know, we did all of our pre and post processing ourselves. But when I came into the energy sector, there were applications that performed all of those type of running of algorithms where you didn't have to actually do it by hand. And so I actually knew a lot more about being able to run those applications than I thought I did. And so being able to do geologic modeling for the oil and gas industry, it came second nature to me. I learned it really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that VP was right. You know, he brought me yeah. into And I picked it up, you know, because obviously I have a very strong geoscience background and I knew modeling and it was just looking at different fluids, similar physics. But how great is that, though, that like you didn't have to be the one doing the convincing like I can do this. Like he was like, I see this in you. You can do this. Like, let's go. Like That's awesome. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things about my career. In some instances, it's me pushing and saying that I can do this and I want to do it and I will do it. And then it's other times where someone has said, I see something in you. Yeah. And, you know, let's give that a shot. Like a mix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Microsoft has so much going on when it comes to sustainability. Most recently with its launch of the Microsoft Sustainability Cloud, as well as Carbon Call, a new initiative Microsoft announced with Climate Works Foundation and over 20 other organizations What sustainability work are you most excited about to work on at Microsoft and why? Well, it's hard to whittle (laughs) it down. And like I mentioned, I I love being in this kind of innovative space. You know, sometimes I say it feels like being in the wild, wild west, you know, a little bit of things just kind of happening organically, doing things for the very first time and then trying to solve very difficult challenges. I think that I enjoy, one of the things I enjoy about working with Microsoft is that we have a very clear core mission around sustainability. 
It gives us a clear direction from the top down and everyone can talk to our mission, no matter what role you have. Sustainability is everybody's job. That's one thing that I love. It doesn't matter if you have sustainability in your title or not. There's something that you can contribute tangibly to helping Microsoft forward its mission, which at the core is around, you know, for Microsoft to do better, the planet has to do better. So there's a real passion around purpose, aligned values, and tangible impact. So at the core, and I know that when I speak about it, I can get passionate about it because it aligns with my values, right? So, and it's something that I really care about. And part of the core mission is around inclusivity, having holistic um, ecosystem type solutions that is including the entire sphere of influence that Microsoft wields which empowers us, right, as employees. Mm -hmm. And then it also helps us to really go down this journey with our customers, with our partners, to reimagine the world in a more inclusive and sustainable way. So that's like the main thing that I'm very excited about. And I think the things that that I tend to spend a lot of time on are really these these tech-based solutions around decarbonization. So that's mm-hmm. right. You know, I think if you ask me next week, it'll probably be something else because <laughs> I'm always doing something new, which is one of the reasons why I love my job. I get to do yeah. something new all the time. But that's what really been talking with a lot of our customers about and really having, like I said, these beautiful ideas, holistic, mm-hmm. inclusive, equitable, but then also the engineering, the science, the innovation around some of these technology-based solutions. I mean, I'm a, I'm a true believer that it's going to take all the solutions, all hands yeah. on deck today. And it's very enlightening to see so many organizations, especially in the energy sector, and I'm, I'm including power yeah. utilities, uh, oil and gas, mining, that are all in around decarbonization, yeah. looking at what are the core business challenges, looking at what are the existing infrastructure core solutions and organizational type of operations? How can we apply innovation to those areas? How can we start applying decarbonization efforts to products and solutions? How can we reimagine revenue streams, business models, right? And when, we, when I work with energy companies, you know, there's a lot of talk around direct air capture, CCUS, carbon management systems, battery storage, hydrogen. And there's just an incredible, I sit on the board of Greentown Labs as well, mm-hmm. one of the largest green tech incubator in the United States. And there is just incredible innovation in the startup space. Yeah. And being able to talk to entrepreneurs, graduates of the you know, corporate world, and just the ideas that people are coming up with, and then being able to have a juggernaut like Microsoft be able to reach out across their sphere of influence to be able to enable these type of solutions. It's yeah. incredibly exciting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really is. I think that is one of the things that's most exciting about what's happening now is that it involves all of us. Yes. There isn't one answer. It's not like, okay, everybody lets you solar, everybody lets you win. Like that's right. so exciting. It's that all of us play a part in it, like all the technologies. So like we all can get involved in, and have a full dance card. <laughs> so I want to talk a bit about environmental justice. Mm-hmm. 
just something I know that you're very passionate about. Do you have some specific examples in ways that Microsoft is making like serious and real commitments in terms of racial equality as they fulfill their environmental pledges? Yeah, so I mentioned some of our, our core mission and, and a part of Microsoft's core mission is around environmental justice and equity. And we are committed to addressing racial injustice and inequity within the United States, specifically targeting Black and African Americans, targeting underserved communities, LGBTQ women. We've been really focused on how to improve the lived experiences. And I think that's really important. It's not just how do we have something to announce right here and there, but it's projects that have true impact to communities and the communities that employees come from, right? So I mentioned that every person within Microsoft, whether or not you have sustainability in your job, if you have a passion about it, there is a space for you to work in. Same thing around environmental justice and and equality and equity and racial equity. There's a number of initiatives that focuses on multi-year pillars and being able to push tangible action and progress, right? And then we have milestones and dates that, that that. So an example is, you know, Microsoft worked with Bolt Energy, which is a Black-owned solar company. Yeah, um, Gilbert. It, yeah. <laughs> it's a friend of mine. Awesome. He just had a little baby. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Congratulations, Gilbert. <laughs> so that's, the, you know, his company, Bolt Energy, we entered a, a PPA yep. uh, with Bolt Energy, and this is just really around, we have a commitment to be using 100% renewable energy by 2025. And it's not just Microsoft, other organizations yeah. as well, right, have these type of commitments around renewable energy as part of their net zero carbon goals. But being able to infuse equity and environmental justice in that. So yeah. making sure that we're engaging in these PPAs with Black-owned, underserved communities and organizations that actually serve the communities, that are part of the communities. And this is really showing, you know, how we infuse this kind of twin mission between ESG and environmental justice, racial justice, and being connected. And this is one of the things, too, that I mentioned that when we're looking at how corporations now are entering this kind of new age around sustainability because it's it's in all of our faces. We're all, I don't think there's any person on the planet that is not being affected in one way or another. As right. we move forward, it's not just about, okay, all hands on deck, but it's also about transparency and mm-hmm. making sure that we make these changes moving forward in an equitable way. And this is just one of the tangible solutions where Microsoft purchased 250 megawatts of solar power from Bolt Energy to power one of our data centers to help reach our our pledge. And then we're continuing on with that, continuing. We have certain goals within our vendor code of business conduct and how Mm -hmm. we make sure that we are diverse across which vendors we choose and how we choose them. And there's several initiatives that, that go into that. Same with our partner network, where we have certain outreach programs, not just for who's supplying Microsoft, but then also the impact that they provide to the communities. We have a philanthropies department as well. I personally have done quite a bit of work with them where we kind of bridge this gap between 
the commercial side of the business and also how we sponsor and support minority-owned businesses. That's just really great, John. I mean, it's so exciting. And the two really just lend themselves so nicely to each other, the environment and social justice. I want to talk about DICE next, which again is in that diversity and clean energy. I know that you're a member of the DICE Advisory Board. Can you talk about the impact DICE is having and the organizations involved with this initiative? Sure. Yeah. So we're getting off the ground. We've been together for, I would say, about a year. I think that DICE is an example of just an amazing effort that starts from an idea. And you know, Amy Bond came up with the idea from T-Mobile and worked with Cheryl Comer from Duke Energy, formerly yep. of Duke Energy. And we saw a problem. And it's something that we hear this question sometimes or the statement made by organizations. Well, we would love to hire more, <laughs> you know, minority-owned women. <laughs> women owned, but we don't know where to find them. So, you know, I think that. Those of us that sit in these groups, we're waving our hands and we're like, we're here. Right. But, you know, DICE, I think, is a concrete way that that really, I won't say eliminates the need for that question, but it makes it harder for that question to keep being asked. Right. right? So it's really just driving towards a more diverse, inclusive, equitable practice around sourcing, supply chain, and supplier selection. So just like I mentioned, you know, Microsoft, we have a mission around being more diverse, especially around our supply chain and across our clean energy value chain to meet some of our goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have equity built into that. We have used Volt Energy as part of DICE Energy and DICE Coalition. And Microsoft is also funding through our Tech for Societal Impact we're funding the, the database that's being built out to house you know, the diverse suppliers within the DICE coalition. And then we are looking to create visibility for these diverse owned businesses through you know, changing that status quo and streamlining the process for being able to be included in corporate initiatives. So yeah. this is a place where corporations can come be members and also diverse own businesses can come and be part of the database. And within Microsoft, it's gotten a lot of support. So we have some senior level support and our executive suite is wonderful. You know, it's great for me. It's one thing for me to be really passionate and say, (laughs) it's another thing when you see senior executives get on board and really support and help out. So it's been a beautiful journey. It's continuing and I love that it is action-based moving forward. We're working in Microsoft along with Duke Energy, Kroger, T-Mobile, GE. And we're really looking to kind of bring together a unique set of perspectives between utilities and corporations to give visibility to diverse owned businesses uh, within the clean energy sector. That's wonderful. So what advice do you have for others looking to follow in your footsteps? Uh, What advice would you give to those looking for like impactful mentors, like women-focused sustainability networking groups or anything else that like helped you enter and succeed in the world of sustainability? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that I think about that has been pivotal for me 
is leaning into what makes you unique. I think that when you really understand your skill sets and what you love to do, right? And you, you bring those things together and then you embrace that within your personal story. It makes you uniquely qualified to do whatever it is that you've focused your mind on. And leaning in to that uniqueness sets you apart from other people. I think that that's been something that's been very enabling for me. Once I was able to really kind of find myself in a way, you know, yeah. and then being able to look at my skill set because that's one of the things that it, it, it wasn't easy, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we kind of talked about a little bit before that sometimes people find me, sometimes it's me rolling yeah. that boulder up the hill. And yeah. I would say 95% of the time, <laughs> it's me rolling the boulder up the hill yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, banging on a lot of doors and, you know, waving my hands and saying, I'm unique, I'm unique, I'm special, you know, um, yeah. and, you know, I can do it, I can do it, just give me a yeah. chance. And it's not always up to other people to recognize your potential. Sometimes you have to absolutely toot your own horn and find a way to brand yourself. And yeah. it's, it's not that kind of, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of branding. The way I see it, the way I see it is just leaning into your authentic self and yeah. just being intentional about your path and then learning what makes you unique and then leaning into that. Other advice I would say is it's important to find your professional family, finding people with that shared interest, that shared passion, the communities, the forums. The, the different organizations and groups. And I have, you know, a little methodology for that as far as finding people that you resonate with and people that you can laugh with <laughs> and then, you know, that are in your professional circle and growing that. I would say also that it's real important to watch what people do, not so much what they say and mm-hmm. align yourself. <laughs> and align Isn't your- that the truth? <laughs> 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 I trust all people that are at the buffet bar. All right. They're, right. Like when we were in New York, like I was like, I like Tom because she likes cocktail and she likes food. <laughs> and those are two very important things to me and a friend. <laughs> right. Right. So and, uh, so she likes to eat and drink. Well, you know me, I like my happy hour. So right. <laughs> a nice, nice buffet yeah. and a happy hour. Good that place. was nice. We'll give a shout out to EDPR. New York uh, okay. oh, yeah, um, that was fun. office opening, Tom Werich, and uh, that was a good buffet bar. Oh, yeah, that was delicious. Yeah, <laughs> really good time. So, yeah, that piece of it. And then I think one of the things in this stage of my career is taking care of your mental health, you know, taking yeah. care of your physical health. I think that if I were to, to really look back on times when I wasn't as engaged in my career or engaged into it, was, mm-hmm. I was just tired. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that was the yeah. Part. Well, you're a mom too. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yes, I, there's yeah, that. <laughs> I'm a single mom. Yeah, that's a, a big part of it. Is that sometimes it's hard to show up when you're tired. It's hard to show up when other parts of your life are not aligned. You have to take care of yourself. You have to take your time off. Take your vacations. Go to the doctor, right? And then do the things that set your mind at ease. And I think that learning for myself has been very instrumental in how I show up every day. 
for me, one of the things that I've always meditated, when I, you know, I learned when I was very young and I was like, ah, you know, that's something that, you know, I always thought it had to be something special, you know, like, you yeah. know, like have a special time and a place and a pillow and you know, all right. this stuff. But um, <laughs> I, I finally started, you know, leaning into meditation as an exercise yeah. as opposed to something that you just do when you have nothing to do, you know, right. and meditation, yoga, exercise, yeah. drinking your water, it is a mantra for me. There's not a day that goes by that I don't do that part that really aligns me where I'm not chasing the day. I'm content. I'm set, you know, and, and my mind is free. And that makes just a huge difference in being able to solve problems, challenges that, you know, all of these very complex things that we're thinking through complex problems and and complex thinking that we're that we're doing every day and just being able to show up just being able to show up as yourself being able to smile every day i think that that for me is just if i were to be able to talk to my younger self or talk to yeah. my <laughs> mentor take care of your mental health it, it goes wear plenty way. of sunscreen <laughs> <What's that too? laughs> i wish i would have worn sunscreen in my 20s <laughs> Uh, Don, well, thank you so much for joining us. And I really appreciate all your advice. I think people are going to find it really, really useful. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It was fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Greenlight Podcast. Are you looking for your next role in climate tech? Join the latest growing network of clean tech professionals and be the first to know about what industry-leading clean tech companies First, post new job openings from development to finance to marketing by checking out our website, dylan-green.com slash latest hyphen jobs. Dylan Green is transforming business through talent. You can also find us on YouTube where we engage with today's top clean energy leaders.